we're live. Are we live? I think we're live. Let's see. Yeah. Look at us. I love it. What's up, Greg? <laughs> First in person. Let's go, baby. First in person podcast, sunny San Francisco. Today is what? Wednesday, February 15th. Greg and I just finished our sales kickoff in San Francisco for Replay AI. We, we messed up big time because they scheduled it on February 14th, Valentine's Day. So we got some, we got some making up to do when we get home. Flowers were in the mail. Flowers were, were good. In the mail. Yeah, we're good to go. Yeah, you got to spend time at SKO though. So Frankie and I wanted to spend some time and just talk a little bit about how SKO went, what we learned, what it's going to be like selling in 2023. Kind of like, what's the vibe? What's the, the vibe? The SKO vibe. The SKO vibe. Vibes are high. Everyone's, everyone's high on the product. Everything's ready to go. But I think there's a lot of changes to how we're going to be selling in 2023 that we wanted to talk about and just some of the key takeaways yeah what do you think yeah i mean we had uh customer panel ceo come in chat with us cfos and the common theme that i heard and curious what you think is things that you could get away with in 2020 to 2022 even it's not going to slide anymore as a seller so it's almost like all the skills that you should have been working on are going to be magnified right. all of a sudden, all at once. And one of the big like data points that I heard was um, CEO, CFOs typically wouldn't be brought into procurement conversations until $2 million plus deals. Yep. Now they're being brought in at 200K and sometimes even lower. So what are the implications of that? And how is elite sellers, can you navigate the, the new landscape? Yeah. I mean, it, it, even last year, you could get away with a 500K to a million dollar deal without official approval from the CFO by putting a business case together, some ROI calculations, yada, yada, yada. That's not going to fly this year. What yeah. we heard from our CFO from the customer panel was, look, we're not making a decision on purchasing and bringing on any new software unless... I think the first question is, can we replace something else? Yeah. Okay. You want to spend a million dollars on people AI. You want to spend a million dollars on Workday. You want to spend a million dollars on software. All right. What are we replacing that we're going to spend it on? It's like, we're not adding anything new. That was number one. And it's like, all right, if we're replacing something or if we're, we're trying to bring this new software in, the questions that a CFO, a C-level exec are going to ask is, how is this product? They're not asking about features. They're not asking about functionality. They don't give a crap about use cases. It's about how is this solution going to help us increase revenue, decrease costs, or mitigate risk? If it's not going to do any of those three things, we're not buying. Like, right. or, or we're just going to push it. We're kicking the can down the road. Like, yeah. you're not going to get prioritized. Yeah. And what do you think sellers should be doing now to to put themselves in that mindset like how do you it's almost a 180 shift yeah. again of 2022 to 2023 like how do people let's say their company hasn't created the new messaging like how can yeah. the individual do that because you've been doing that already well i think it starts with that question it's like all right if the question is you gotta put yourselves in the mindset of a cfo they've got a billion things on their plate they've got the street that they've got to answer to, they are not going to give a crap about your software. How great the bells and whistles are, it doesn't matter. You have to put yourself, in my opinion, you have to put yourself in the mind of the CFO. And the question that they're going to ask is, how will this help me increase revenue, decrease costs, or mitigate risk? Yeah. Start there. And it's like, now imagine you're your champion. 
yeah. how would you answer that question? Okay, our product or it is going to help this company increase revenue by and then fill in the blank. Right. Like how do you answer that question with your product? It's like, okay, great. You can do this in, in these three ways. Now drill into those three use cases or drill into those three positive business outcomes, whatever you want to call it, and then start putting in the details there. But I think you have to like, come with the end in mind of knowing that this deal is going to get shut down if you can't answer this question for right. how are you helping do these three things? Yeah. Um, and um, CFOs, whether or not they're your primary persona now, yeah. they are at the front and center of everything you do. So one thing that we talked about over the last couple of days was finding ways to show value to your right. CFO, not just justifying the cost, but how as a CFO or even a finance person or accounting or whatever that looks like, yeah. how could you get them value today with your products? So then when you're going for that renewal or going for the upsell or even bringing in a new logo for your company, they feel like they're part of, part of that campaign. And it's not just an afterthought, but yeah. you're bringing them in early and have that conversation and laying out how you can help. Yeah. They want to be involved. Yeah. 100%. And they yeah. need to be involved because they, they are cutting the budget across the board. Right. They're tightening the spend across the board. Yeah. Especially when it comes to new technology. So anytime right. you're bringing in new technology, that's going to introduce change management, that's going to introduce potential risk, that's going to be uh, a headache for a team to get implemented. Yeah. So how are you getting ahead of that conversation? Hey, this is a very quick implementation. There's little to no change management or like, what are, what are the things that they are afraid of when it comes to buying new tech? You got to get ahead of that conversation. Yeah. Like you have to start asking yourself, what are the questions that a CFO procurement is going to ask your champion and then get ahead of that? Like yeah. you start giving your champion those answers. To that point, sometimes in the past, I personally have said to a champion, quote unquote, I'm right. using air quotes here yeah. that, Hey, what's it going to take? when we go meet with your CFO or CEO, yeah. you have to go meet with them. If you're hearing, oh, we don't need to meet with them or I got it covered, you're probably dealing with a coach or somebody that doesn't have the yeah. influence or actually know the decision process. So your ears should be perking up as red flags are going off if they don't have that knowledge of what is that decision process and who do they yeah. need to talk to. Yeah, I think what you mentioned earlier, is you could get away with a lot in 2020 to 2022, early, you know, whatever. The one thing that you could get away with then was you could have one champion in a deal yeah. for seven figures. Yeah. You can have one, not anymore. Right. You gotta have multiple champions. Yeah. So that's if you are in a deal where you feel like, oh, I've got a great champion, they're selling on my behalf, they've got a personal win, they've got power and influence. It's like that's unfortunately that's great, but that's not gonna be enough. How do you build multiple champions? I mean, I think it's just discovery. Like I I'm a hundred percent guilty of finding one champion and then just latching on to that one person. It actually just happened to me recently where I had a done deal and that person, I'm not going to name the name, I'm not going to name the company, but this company, a prospect of mine just got 7% of the workforce and my champion VP level was one of the people that got cut and now yeah. I don't have a deal. Yeah. So now I'm, I'm living the pain of only having one champion. Right. So I got to start this deal cycle all over again. So how can you get multiple champions? It's, don't latch on to just one person. Like yeah. If we get comfortable, you see right. one person and it's like, okay, they're going to take me to the promise yeah. line. That's great. Enable that person, but take what you've learned from that champion and do some discovery in the rest yeah. of the business. Like never stop through discovery and pipeline generation and like getting to different lines of business. Like can't do it.
Yeah, and this was a reflection that I had throughout the last two days of I, you know, fortunately hit my number last year, like yeah. you did too. Hey, I'm talking. Crush your number. You beat me by a little bit. <laughs> Coming for you this year. <laughs> um, but I was doing things, you know, on my own for the right. most part. I, of course, had my business partners like my SE and, and management. But reflecting back, especially in this year, is I was telling every single executive and anybody that listened to me the last two days, I said, hey, I'm pulling you in yeah. to more conversations. Like, I used, I don't want to say afraid of bringing people in because that's not the right word, but almost like I can go faster alone. But in order to excel in this environment, for anybody listening, I would say, all your managers or your coaches or anybody in your in your company that can help you and say, hey, I'm working on this deal. Where are my gaps? Like, yeah. talk about those conversations early on right. rather than waiting till the end. Like you just said, hey, I have one champion. We're going to close the deal and they get let go. Yeah. Like you can avoid that by bringing, bringing in people early. Definitely. And I think you can avoid stuck pipeline and stalled deals. I'm here. I'm even hearing this from our prospects that people that we're talking to is their teams are not being prescriptive enough right. in their pitches or yeah. their conversations with their prospects. They're, they're showing up to the phone call or the meeting and saying, Hey, Mr. Prospect, Mr. Customer. How, do, how would you deploy this? How yeah. would you implement this? Yeah. Like, what, how, what's your process? We'll mold to that. And they were like, wrong answer. No, you're, so you're the expert. You're yeah. supposed to tell me how to roll this out. You're supposed to tell me how to implement yeah. this. So that's something I, I think you could get away with two, year, two years ago, a year ago, and today is not going to fly. Like you have to come to conversations with a prescription. Yeah. Based on the research that I've done about your company, based on the research that I've done about your challenges, this is what we are recommending. Right. This is our prescription for you as a solution. Yes. Might not be your whole platform. It might not be your whole product. It's like, but you have to come with that point of view as a trusted advisor, as a consultant, and kind of handhold them through that process, or else it's just going to get stuck. Right. If you wait for them right. to tell you what to do, it's like, no, can't do it. Yeah, you can't go in with with endless menu options. You have to say, here's yeah. your six choices. And here's what I recommend, and then yeah. move forward. That's what. Um, Nick Meta, the CEO of Gainsight, yep. spoke to us. His tagline was, you have to have courage to have those tough conversations. Right. That really resonated. Right. Um, talking about tactically how you do it, how how would you say that you lay out a plan? Like what methods do you use when you're having those conversations of, okay, once you agree on something like here's a path forward, do you have methods around that, Griff? So in which phase, like, like in the discovery phase or in I'm the, trying to lead the witness here, but like a mutual action plan. Always yeah. lead the witness. You, you use us. You, better, you better use them. Mutual action plans. I do. Yeah. You have to, uh, just to take risk out of the buying cycle and to introduce, you know, predictability and make sure yeah. you're lockstep in. Okay. When we have this conversation, this is the next step. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Okay, great. So we're all on the same page. We're moving forward. Thinking about we're not wasting our time. Yeah. Mutual action plan, whether you do it in Salesforce or in your notepad or wherever, it's like the, the idea is you got to get on the same page as your customer, which again, I totally, in today's selling environment, you've got to have. It's a good way to test your champion too. Yeah. Are they going to agree to that? Are they going to make some edits? Are they going to work with you on that? 100%. Let's uh, let's shift gears and talk about mindset during this time. The mindset. Because whenever I'm having a tough day, I pick up the phone and call Griff and <laughs> get you fired up. Dude. So I, I think uh, 
you do a good job of talking about the opportunity that you have and like where you're at and maximizing what you've got in front of you in your hand. And of course there's situations that you need to get out of potentially, but a lot of people are quick to run away and do something different when tough times happen. But how do you think about that? Like, how do you wake up every single day and get fired up for what we do? Well, I just said, what would Frankie do all day long? Uh, Pretty good answer. Yeah, right. Well, I think just talking to all of our friends that are also reps at other companies, everyone's in the same boat. Right. What the hell's happening? Yeah. Should I stay? Should I leave? Should I go to a different company? Should I stick around and stick it out? There's a lot of uncertainty. And so I just think, the grass is not always greener on the other yeah. side. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everything looks nice and shiny, but I think luckily you and I are in a position where we've sunk our, our, our teeth into our company now for, for a long time and we're in good positions to, to capitalize on some good pipeline. But like, there's really no formula for, if I can't, if you can't motivate yourself, then you gotta, you yeah. gotta figure something else out. But the way that I've stayed motivated is just reminding myself, number one, that like, we're really helping our customers we have an opportunity to help the prospects and i don't know about you i mean i kind of know about your situation but we got some freaking good pipeline coming up this this year that we got to go execute on it i came in third or fourth this year so i can do that ah, man. <laughs> i came one. in fifth right yeah, after man. you let's go who's counting though right uh well, it's, i mean today's selling environment like kind of just remind ourselves to not go down the path of features and functionalities because yes. those conversations are just going to fall on deaf ears. It's all great. And I believe in the features and the functionalities and the use cases, but that's a just, byproduct. It's just this year has to be the year that reps that are serious about closing large deals, put themselves in the mind of the CFO, which I really have not done. Nobody has. I mean, blanket statement but yeah i'd say 99 of people have it unless you're selling to a cfo yeah, we put them. ourselves in the minds of our eb yes we will own the budget right it's like, okay what will they ask they're maybe a little bit more tactical but now understand. ultimately the cfo is the eb right so like even if you have the, your former evs your former right. personas like they're now kind of your executive sponsors or yeah. champions that you need to go bring up to the cfo 100 and, and uh pyramid's another one but, yeah I would wait to engage them and talk to them a bit, but like they're the gatekeeper to get to the CFO. Emily, our CFO yesterday mentioned, you know, a quote for a million dollar software. When that lands on her desk, yeah, the first person that she's going to call is her procurement person to right. say, what is this? Right. And if they've signed off on it, she, she trusts her yeah. procurement team to do their due diligence. And it's like, okay, depending on who sent it over, you're going to sign a check. She also mentioned it really depends. Like a, the, a quote for a million dollar software will her decision on whether or not they buy. If you remember, she said it de- really depends on who sends it to her. Yeah. She, oh, she goes, true. if it's somebody that's sent me a million dollar quote in the past and is notorious just <laughs> for buying yeah. software, I'm probably going to drill into this and shoot it down. Right. But if it's somebody that has a proven track record of success, has maybe brought in one or two tools or new, new new software and that's gone well and that's had, had success she's going to trust that person a lot more right. so you and i reps listening need to do our due diligence around political mapping and understanding how much political influence does this person have in the company yeah they've got a cxo title but do they really have the you know 
capital within the company to actually make decisions. Yeah, I mean, I've gotten multi-six-figure deals, multi-year deals done with management, yeah. managers right, at right, certain right. companies. Success. So don't because get they, persuaded by the titles. They have they, the influence. Yeah, maybe they worked with the CEO at a previous company. Yeah. Yeah, they're the manager, but it's like, oh, I know that this person makes good decisions. I'm going to enable them to go. That's why if you're selling big deals and you want to actually do big deals yeah. and sell to the enterprise strategic measures, that you've got to pick your accounts right yeah. because your time is the most precious commodity we've all got. Yeah. So if you're going down the rabbit hole of somebody or, or a product or a company that isn't able to put up the dollars that right. you want, it's, it's a waste of time. Yeah, I, I think just, again, this we're all shoot, shooting this on a Wednesday right after sales kickoff. A little hungover. I'm just kidding. Not really. But like what the key takeaway for me that this whole week was we you, you, we have to shift our conversation to the CFO and understanding what are the questions that they're gonna get asked from like street. They have to go in and understanding. What are the questions that they're getting asked from Wall Street? What are the questions that they're getting asked? What are the metrics that the street cares about? And how can your product or service influence those numbers? That's that's like the, the bottom line. Before you even get into those conversations, you have to come prepared. You got to do your yeah. research. Yeah. Shout out to our guy, Mark Tefakis, guest on the podcast. What's up, Go Mark? listen to him. Go listen to him. But he always talks about you. You have to do your research when you're, when you're looking at a large accounts. And selling the large accounts, you got to do your research. You got to go through the 10K. You got to go through the earnings transcript. Yeah. That's where the gold is to understand. Okay, these are the things that like you can pick direct quotes, and I've used that in discovery. Your CFO said this in the most recent earnings call. Like, how do you how do you think about this? And the you know your prospect can go into a deep conversation about that specific piece. Yeah, I mean the thing about selling big deals is there's no shortcuts. Yeah. There's no hacks. There's right. no tools. I mean, yeah, chat GPT. We've heard chat that about GPT. a thousand times. I'm getting, getting sick of it. But you can't fake a well-researched point of view. Yeah, and right. that takes the time. And that takes the due diligence that you, that you just mentioned. Right. Um, well, you go to, it's, it's, again, beginning of the year. We have, you have to pick the right accounts, exactly. like you said. And so it's working with your sales ops, working with, you know, your IC, your traditional ICP, who are the right you know, accounts to go after, once you've picked those, then it's, do I have an account plan in place? Have I done my research? Where do we have relationships? What's my point of view? And just pipeline generation, I mean, you're the king, so. Yeah, I mean, let's, so let's talk about how do you, you want to talk about how to pick the accounts? We could, I mean, I think you gotta, like you said, you gotta, you have to work with your marketing team, you gotta work with sales ops, you gotta work with sales leadership to understand, okay, who's the right fit? Yeah, it's going. It's going in and, and doing um, doing research on who has closed before, like what accounts have closed, what competitors are out there that are in your name that are, you know, either small lands or non-existent customers yet, and then who is getting severely impacted by what's going on today, yeah. and how can you be a, a huge part of that? To Emily, our, again, our CFO's point yesterday, she said. Before she signs a million dollar quote, the first thing she asks is, can we replace anything? Right. So yeah, that's one thing that point. you could say to or ask of your prospects is, look at, does this prospect have 20 tools that I can go in and replace? Right. 2023, 
we got to get scrappy. Like we really have to be, we could, you used to be able to get away with, okay, yeah, we're not a really competitor to this company. We're not a competitor to this company. You can use us in tandem and we're all going to play merrily together. I don't think we can get away with that anymore. We like have to come with a point of view of, if you're going to buy us, I'm going to save you X amount of money. Like cut this tool. It's not being used to your company. I've done my research. It's not being used. You got to, you got to cut this company. Right. So if, it's almost like if they have some of your competitors in place, that could be a good target count. Yeah. Don't be scared. Understanding when's the renewal coming up. Yeah. Like what are the key dates? So okay. and that, that information's out there. Yeah. That's that next level of research yeah, that you need to do. What about like, we, we talked a lot about pipeline generation and, you know, me and Frankie, we don't really have BDRs to go set meetings for us. How, how are you, I have my methods of trying to get in front of execs, the people that I want to try and get to within those target accounts. Like what's, what's your take on pipeline generation in 2023? Like, uh, what I said at the beginning of the conversation is I went and talked to every single executive that I could find at the company during the SKO. And I said, Hey, you're going to help me with my deal. Oh, you're saying, okay. And so I said, there you go. and I said, these are the accounts I'm going after. I'm going to set it 20, 30 minutes with you in the next couple of weeks. We're going to go through your contacts in these accounts and you're going to help me open up doors. Yeah. Now that doesn't mean that doesn't give me a free pass to not know about the account, do my research, right. come prepared, give my executive what we're trying to accomplish. Even if it's maybe a swing and a miss, but at least you have a point of view. Then I'm getting, you know, my CEO, my head of sales, head of marketing, anybody and everybody, other reps yeah. to open up doors for me. That's, that's the best method, yeah. I think. The big, biggest thing. The second thing is what we've been talking about is know your research. Have your have your point of view. Just by having your point of view, I've booked so many meetings by sending my research to people and saying, this is what I know about your company. Yeah. 99% of people don't do that. Yeah. They're just selling, hey, I uh, might be able to help you with this small inconvenience, but you're talking hundred thousand dollar problem versus multi-million dollars yeah what do you think well you, that's you, one of many things let me summarize let me summarize two things <clears throat> do your research leverage your executives at your company to help get you those meetings with the right prospects not only executives i said that but also anybody and everybody who might have a relationship, relationship. so shout out to one of our previous guests as you were talking uh jamal reimer came on and talked about mega deal selling. And he said the number one secret to that elite reps do over and over again for pipeline generation to get those meetings booked is they leverage their internal execs. That when you think about large account selling as a mountain, he said most reps think of themselves as mountain climbers, climb up the mountain. He said the best reps, they look at themselves as what do you call them? Heliskiers. Yeah. Where they take a helicopter straight to the top. Yeah. And the helicopter is your exec. Yeah. They have that. They have that title. They have the the cloud. You know the take you straight to the top. They'll take you to the top. They top. But you need to do your research ahead of time. Yeah. So you're putting your exec in the right position to be successful. Yeah. Just using them as your PDR. Yeah, because they might be able to open the door, but right. you get one shot with them, and if yeah. you swing and miss, like it's going to take another three to six months to get back on their calendar. Yeah. And take another chance. So that's why you got to do the homework up front. Yeah. Um, I think also events are really good. Yeah. If you're the best, another good way, and this goes along the lines of referrals, is getting your current customers to sell to your prospects. Get them in a room together. Get them on a Zoom call together. Yeah. Say, here's what we're talking about. Step back and watch the magic happen. Yeah. Like I've I've closed so many deals by bringing in current prospects 
with my current customers and saying, hey, you two talk. And it's not even about what you're selling. It's right. about knowledge transfer of the industry. Yeah. Right now, people are trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Yeah. And if you can give them the opportunity to share best practices, they're going to love you for it. And then you're at the center of that connection. So then every single time they they call their new friend or new peer, they're thinking of Griffin. They're thinking of Frankie. They're thinking of whoever made that connection. Yeah. How do you answer the question, what's in it for them? If I'm an existing customer and Frankie, you come to me and you're like, hey, I've got a prospect I'm trying to sell to. I know you're happy, but like, I would love to get you guys in person. Would you do me a favor and, you know, maybe jump on a Zoom call or I've got this event. Do you want to come down? Like, It's two things. What would you say is in it for them? It's two things. It's number one, you can make that ask if you've made enough deposits to them. Yeah. If you've given them significant amount of help whether it's personally or professionally right and you can withdraw on that deposit that's the first thing the second thing is you need to understand what your champion or executive or whoever you're asking from a current customer yeah. what do they care about personally and professionally and if you can go and tie back an event or a connection or whatever you're trying to accomplish back to one of their their personal or professional wins they're going to do it yeah. so you know for example we uh like six months ago, did an event in Austin and we brought in um, the guest speaker, uh, Matt Dixon, who wrote the book, Jolt Selling. Oh, nice. And everybody wanted to be a part of that because everybody's trying to figure out how to overcome the no decision. So that was a no brainer. Maybe you don't have as big of a draw as like a Matt Dixon, but you can figure out a topic that people care about now. It's what we're talking about today. Every single person is trying to figure out how to navigate this new landscape. So if you say, hey, we're going to facilitate a conversation, have a few questions and, you know, have some drinks and food at the end to help you, you and your company sell better. Everybody's going to want to do that. What do you think? I like the events. It's really tough to get people in person. So you have to, you have to make it worth their while to get in person. And I love that idea of having an offer coming out and do a guest speaking event. And so you got to, again, if you're going to do an in-person event, you have to ask yourself, like, What's in it for the customer? I've been guilty of sending out, hey, let's go golfing at this really nice golf course yeah. during the week. Selfishly, because I want to go play golf. But <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe I can't get, you know, this VP of whatever to come play golf with me. And it's like, yeah, yeah. No they, they're not going to take right. four hours, five hours off on a Thursday to go play golf with you. Yeah. It's like, I kind of have to shift my mindset. Like, all right, what, how, how can I get this person in person? And how do I get them a quick win? Um, which it's, it's tough. It's but something tough. that you did recently is you hosted a golf event where you got other executives together and it wasn't about Griff and your champion building relationship. It was about you getting them connected with other industry peers. Frankie kind of threw out my, threw out my hidden trick, my hidden secret. Well, we, can, we can edit that out. No, no, no. Let's give it a, if you listen to this podcast. Abundance, baby. So you're absolutely right. I was trying to get people to come golfing and nobody wanted to come golfing. I, I couldn't believe it because it's four hours and through exactly how many time. So I've got a, my, you know, another buddy of mine here in the Bay Area, we had the idea of what, what about a lesson? Execs, I always talk to, they never have any time. They're always talking about, man, I wish I could take a lesson. I would never have any time. So what we did was we called the Olympic Club in San Francisco. We got to really give the secrets. I'm giving the secrets. We hired a golf pro for two hours to work on shipping and putting. And the responses were out of control. We got execs from all over the Bay Area to come to the Olympic Club to take a lesson 
so not a golf round because the lesson was an hour and a half and you know we did drinks and networking after and i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna lie we got a, we got a deal out of it a pipe well, i should say we got, an opportunity. we got an opportunity about it we're not committing it it's, a, it's <laughs> an early stage opportunity but it was just a, a way, a creative, in my opinion, a, a, a decent creative way to get execs in person. So stuff like that, you gotta yeah. kind of think creative, right? Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if it closes. It is not in commit. It is not in commit. It is not committed. No, it's not. What else we want to talk about? I don't know. I mean, I, I think we're. I think we've given some good insights into what twenty twenty three is going to look like for sales reps. Everyone's freaking out. But I think we just got to stay the course, keep your head down, focus on the things that you can control and get down to the root of those three key areas that CFOs are looking at. Yeah. Increasing revenue, decreasing costs, mitigating risks. Yeah. Productivity, improving productivity is kind of like a fourth, you know, option. But that improving productivity, I think, could be attributed to increasing revenue or decreasing costs. It's right, both. depending on how you look at right, it. Right, depending on how you look at it. So those four, we'll call it four areas, just in every conversation you have, you have to be bringing it back to one of those four key things. Yeah. And if you're not, and you're wondering, oh, man, why are my deals stuck? Why are they slipping? Why are they not being yeah. prioritized? It's probably because you're not talking about those right. four things. And I'm totally guilty of it too, so I got to go work on my business cases and, you know, bring them back to those, those four key things. Yeah. I was going to say how we kind of wrap up all the other episodes is, you know, what are action items you can do uh, moving forward? So I'll, I'll go first because yeah, I'm putting you on the spot, but it's just what you said. Yeah. I'm going to take those four filters and, and run every single one of my accounts through, are we increasing revenue, yeah. increasing risk, reducing costs? Um, I forgot the answer that you said. Um, and move forward yeah. with that. And if I'm not doing that, I'm going and finding uh, that research in my accounts, yeah. making sure that my point of view is attached to that. Right. If if I can't find it, maybe I'm moving on from that account. Well, I think the call to action would be you and I, let's use you and me as an example. We're pitching the same product. So you and I should really sit down with, maybe let's grab another rep and do a brainstorming session right. and do like a one slider. How does insert your company yeah either increase revenue decrease costs mitigate risk or improve productivity yeah get rid of the one or two that your company does not do focus on the one or two that it does and then you got to be able to clearly message in one sentence maybe two sentences how you do that and that's like your elevator pitch yeah now, once you have an elevator pitch, it's like, okay, now we can get into how we do it, how we do it better, yeah. where, where we've done it before, those those kind of key things, but keep that messaging back to those, those those four anchors. So I think call to action would be brainstorm with reps at your company just prior into the same problem and have an elevator pitch, like get yeah. your elevator pitch down. I think that would be a good call to action. Yeah, keep it simple. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Cool. What a wrap. That's it. Let's do it. How would you define it? Uh, just kidding. <laughs> uh, you're looking at him. Yeah, Rick exactly. Riley, baby. Baby, come Rick on. Riley. Come on. 2023. We got the sun. We got San Francisco. It's not bad, deal. So I will say a little closing inspirational message. Ah. like you, like you said before. But I think it's an exciting time to yeah. be a seller because I think it gives you 
the ability to double down on your strengths and to truly treat yourself like a professional. I mean, look at the best athletes. Like they've been injured. They've had slumps. They've Nobody gone was through it all. So this is, I mean, if you're willing to lean in, yep. this is a cool chance for you to separate yourself from the herd and to be one of those people that was successful during this time. Yep. While a lot of people are sitting back scared, wondering what's happening and job hopping yep. because they want to, get out of a bad situation. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, yeah. but take a look at what you got before you do it. There you go. Mic trial. This is Frank's mic. <laughs> we'll wrap there. That's it. Thanks for listening.